This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharudin and this is GG Wellplay, the show that talks about all things video games. We're at the end of March, which means another monthly run-up featuring our friends from gaming website kakuchapore.com. Content Director Jonathan Leo joins us to summarise the biggest news of the month. Uh, that's a lot actually, in fact. Let's just start from the top. Um, after like just barely a month of being on sale, Elden Ring has sold 12 million copies within a month, which is honestly bigger than Skyrim back in the day in 2011 when that game sold 10 million just in one month from its 11 November release. Kind of goes to show that word of mouth and a company's prestige about making challenging but fair single-player RPGs can carry a company and a game very, very far. And plus, Elden Ring received its first major patch, which is called 1.03. It made a bunch of nerfs to different summons and weapons in the game, but it added NPC markers, so at least you know where your NPCs are on the very vague and very cryptic map that you have. But this also means that speedrunners will have to find a new way to play through the game with less than an hour or even two hours or less to get through because... Previous tactics like using the Horfrost Stomp and particular weapons here and there and builds do not work anymore. And some summons like the Mimic tier are basically nerfed in behavior and damage. So players will need to find new tactics and ways to get through the game now. Yeah, we can talk about Gran Turismo 7 which came out in the middle of this month. It actually was published to great reviews. A lot of people gave it like pretty decent reviews, even our side as well. However, when the game was out for the public within the first few days, it actually went through like a 30-hour downtime, which is basically a day plus of downtime where the servers are down for this online-only game and only the arcade mode was available. So this actually drew a lot of backlash from players, not just for the outage, the server outage, but also because after the update was added in, players have found out that a lot of the rewards you get from completing races have been reduced because um, a lot of the cars actually cost a lot to buy online in the game. And to get the in-game points, you need to actually go through win races. Now those rewards have been reduced so that it'll take you longer to grind through races to actually purchase the very fancy car you want in Gran Turismo 7. And to add sort of insult to injury... There's even microtransaction options where you can pay real money to actually buy the points to actually get the cars. So to quote uh, Kazunori Yamauchi, the director of the game, he said that some event rewards have been adjusted. To explain the reasons for it, going forward, he would like to have users enjoy lots of cars and races even without microtransactions. At the same time, the pricing of cars is an important element that conveys their value and rarity. So he believes that it's important for it to be linked to real-world prices. So players are responding to this by, quote-unquote, grinding currency without playing the game, using scripts to complete races, using the remote play feature. I'm not going to mention how that's done here, but I'm sure you can find that online. But basically, that's how the community is responding to Kazunori Yamauchi's messaging. 
Mm. And not to, not to mention they they are also review bombing the game on Metacritic, right? If I'm not mistaken. That's also another thing I should have added. Yes, they are review review bombing the game in response to the new update. I feel that this is a bit of a I don't know, this is pretty bad considering that Gran Turismo has always been the very single player kind of experience where you like a car RPG basically, like you are racing really well, you want to drive as well as possible. On, in the different courses and then get points and buy the valuable cars you want. Yes, the online online elements are cool and all. And I think the developers, Polyphony, wanted to stray away from doing what Microsoft is doing in Forza Horizon 5, where, where in that game, they're giving away cars like it's candy, you know, like true roulette spins and whatnot. They want to keep the integrity of the game. But I think this is a bit too much la, from the developer's side. There should be a balance... But I think this pushes far towards the very stingy sort of balancing thing. So I think the response is warranted, I feel. Yeah, and the saddest part is, I think, because I think at the core of it, the game is pretty decent, right? And it's also a return to form for a series that I think at one point wasn't really doing well compared to its competitors. I'm honestly confused as to why half the options are online only. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember, like, the last few Gran Turismo games could be played offline. I mean, if you want to play online, you just race with other people. That's it. You shouldn't be locked out with like what fifty percent of the game or seventy percent of the game if you're offline, right? It's strange why this is, especially if it's a game that's very single player tailored and focused in you know you driving really well, right? Like the real driver simulator. I think that's why it's being marketed. Now it's like the real online driving simulator that ticks you off at times. Correct. Um, do you think they can recover from this? Considering yeah, I mean the statement made by Kazunori Yamauchi also wasn't as great, right? I think they better this six months. Otherwise, the game is down in the dirt and left in the ditch to die. Like in the next six months, I don't think PlayStation is going to sleep on this. They are going to have to work really hard to get back the players' trust in this. Uh, moving on, we have the Halo TV series is actually out this week at this time of recording on the 24th, 25th of March. There are many ways you can watch the very first two Halo episodes, which is on Paramount+. Plus. You can subscribe for that service. You can also have an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which lets you have 30-day trial for Paramount+. Plus, As well as you can subscribe to Mola TV, which is free. I believe that's a free streaming service you can find online. So I checked out the Halo TV series. It's actually not bad. It actually does a lot of justice to the story and the lore, but also creates its own spin on different things. You know, like portraying as UNSC as like a different shades of grey, not like a pure white goody two-shoes kind of military group and the Spartan uh, initiative and whatnot. This is a pretty cool way of introducing some elements here and there and making it a TV-friendly series that anyone can jump in and watch because at the end of the day, the Halo series is just basically a spaceman, a giant green spaceman killing space aliens. <laughs> That's it. So to actually have a TV series that has that same core story and element and then doing all and then adding in more layers here and there for what TV series should have with gravitas and some moral dilemmas here and there it works to the the show's favor so it's only the first three episodes but i'm looking forward to seeing more there's a lot of promise in this halo tv series yeah, and I think that that sounds like, a, I guess, the best way to approach a TV series and make it more accessible to just everyone, right? It's, I guess, to a certain extent, good for gamers who want, I guess, a deeper lore into the world that they have been playing in. But at the same time, also, you know, uh, perhaps entice, you know, 
viewers who have never played the game, right? Exactly. Uh, just give it, just, just present it as like a nice sci-fi story featuring a guy in a green armor trying to do the right thing, hopefully, you know, against Chain of Command and against space aliens who want to destroy the world with a giant satellite ring thing, <laughs> a ring world. All right, other news. We have a new Witcher game in development. There's a new saga that's being created by CD Projekt Red. It's not starring Geralt or Rivia. It's, the game is using an Unreal Engine 5. It might star a new character or a new cast of character in that same universe. And the teaser image poster is showing the School of the Cat or School of the Lynx medallion. Like the Witcher games, like the first three, they actually use the School of the Wolf medallion, if I recall. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong about the lore. But in this poster, it's a School of the Cat or a School of the Lynx. They said it might be using a new engine, but I think there are probably some elements from Witcher 3 that they can actually carry over to Unreal Engine 5. I think like, I'm predicting. Otherwise, they must have spent like a couple of years like kept creating the engine, the new engine for Unreal Engine 5 for Scratch. And before people are worried, this is not going to be exclusive to Epic Games Store. This is... This should be available to like all platforms, at least according to the official statement from CD Projekt. We're not, they're not going to make this exclusive, store exclusive. So we'll see how that goes uh, down the line. Yeah. Any, any timeline on when, when the game's going to be released? Uh, no release date, no release year. They just announced it. We'll probably hear more things next year and then we might get a release date for maybe next year. Who knows? Uh, the following year after that, we'll see. Uh, okay, and also the Perfect Dark reboot is facing like creative company issues. So half the stuff actually turned, made a turnover. There's a lot of like creativity issues with people taking issue with the, the top-down style management, which led to quote-unquote Fast and Furious exodus within the company within the past 12 months. So the company that's making the, the Perfect Dark reboot for Microsoft Xbox is the initiative. And now, um, I believe since the announcement last year, they had... Crystal Dynamics of the Avengers and Tomb Raider fame coming in to do the top-down management style leading things. So hopefully the project actually goes all right because this is like, it's been a while since people have played a new Perfect Dark game. It's like, imagine James Bond, but she's a female and then they got that some spy thing going on with the first-person shooter thing going on. Mm, yeah, I mean... You- <laughs> We're beginning to hear a lot more of these kind of stories, and it's, it's unfortunate that you know, yeah, sometimes you have to deal with these stories that are, I guess, a lot emerging a lot more these days, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I guess we could talk about some good news. I think. I mean, maybe something a bit light. Like, there's actually a state of play PlayStation for March 9th that actually showcased a bunch of titles. They actually had two state of plays, one showcasing a number of titles from Square Enix and a couple of indie devs, like Gigabash, a militia-made game from Passion Republic. This has been shown. I believe it's still coming out for 2022. Forspoken is delayed to October of 2022. So that's a game from Square Enix. It's like an open world uh, spellcasting game, like Isekai kind of game. Square Enix also announced two new titles. Diofield Chronicles, which is a real-time strategy title. And it looks like it's being made by the team who made Octopath Traveler and... Uh, triangle strategy like it could be the same team for all you know but the game is fully in 3d it has that sort of like tactics ogre kind of style of a feel of combat but in real time and then they announced a valkyrie profile spin-off called valkyrie elysium it's an action rpg it looks kind of basic and it's using different characters and lore from the valkyrie profile series it doesn't look that promising 
the trailer looks very underwhelming. So I hope they actually un- introduce new things to it later on because it's not really doing anything for me. And I'm a big Valkyrie Profile fan. <laughs> I really love the series. I It's really sad to see it go this way. So I hope things turn around. But for Harry Potter fans, there's actually a showcase for Hogwarts Legacy. About 20 minutes about the how the game plays. You get to pick your different schools. You get allies. You get to learn different ways of casting spells. You get to explore the area of Hogwarts and the outer skirts area at night, fighting basilisks, fighting griffins, snakes, or even taming them, or fighting rogue sorcerers. Um, and then there's a goblin uprising thing going on. I believe that's the main plot. So it's like, imagine GTA, but in a high school where you can cast magic, ride a broom, and fight griffins. So if you like that sort of thing, I think this is going to be very awesome for Harry Potter fans. Too bad there's a lot of the backlash going on regarding J.K. Rowling. But don't let that dissuade you, especially since there are a lot of hardworking people on this project from Warner Brothers, if I recall. Yeah, the Warner Brothers team yeah, have creating this game. So if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. But don't knock a game if you haven't touched it and because of all the flack that goes around it. Like, I think reviewers also have to be professional in this regard. Like, if they're given a review copy of this game, they should review it and, you know, talk about how the game is, not put in their agendas about what's going on surrounding the game. They should be talking more about what's in the game when it comes out. I believe the game is coming out uh, winter 2022. So hopefully the game turns out great because the showcase shows a lot of promise and it entices a lot of people with the graphics and the way it looks. Uh, You saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, it does look promising and it does look like uh, I think a lot of people might have like dream of playing this kind of like a game, right? A Harry Potter game in an open world Harry Potter game, right? So it does look promising, yeah. And to an extent, I, I do see where you're coming from with regard to having to like, separate the, the art from the artist, right? One way or another. Something along those lines because it's the Warner Brothers uh, development interactive team that's making this and publishing this and you know, a lot of people, a lot of blood, blood, sweat and tears have been put into this game to make it look good and make it as open-worldy, Harry Potter-y as possible. If that word even makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, other games in the state of play itself. Uh, my personal favorite announcement is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kawabanga Collection, which collects all the 13 games from the 80s and 90s era of Ninja Turtle games made by Konami. So you've got the beat-em-ups from the arcade and from and the ports for Super Nintendo and Mega Drive. You've got the Game Boy games. Like We're not talking Game Boy Advance or 3DS. Like the original Game Boy, like the black and the grayscale LED, not LED, sorry, the grayscale lighting thing, the old Game Boy. And you've got like uh, the Street Fighter 2 clones for that as well. So that's 13 games total all in that collection coming out in 2022. I don't know. I've been like a very old school Ninja Turtles fan. So I really liked these games back in the day. They were pretty expensive to buy back then, but they were worth playing every day during my high school days. So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. But there's a bit of promise because uh, one of the games, uh, Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters for Super Nintendo, they're including both the SNES original and the... Super Famicom uh, Tournament Edition where basically they balance the characters so they have two versions of the same game so they're being as accurate as possible with the port hopefully fingers crossed and they've discontinued Dragalia Lost after four years of service this uh, mobile game is actually a team up effort from Psy Games the makers of Grand Blue Fantasy and Nintendo so after four years plus they are going to stop making new content for this mobile game and shutting the game off 
later in 2022. So the game's very last story content will be coming out on July 2022. So it's kind of sad that a game that has a bit of promise with the anime artwork and the gameplay is getting shut down. So it's like a long list of games that are you know, mobile games that have been running for so long and then they have to shut down because they maybe not end up getting enough money from it. Okay, I'll just go through this really quickly. Like, uh, the creator of The Gifts, Stephen White, while hit, hit, has passed away due to COVID-19 complications. So without him, the internet wouldn't have the best and direct form of communication. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, actually pronounced GIFs, not GIFs. <laughs> J, with a J, yes, according to him. Tekken Bloodlines is an upcoming uh, anime Netflix show announced for 2022. And it'll focus on the video game Tekken, the Tekken 3 storyline involving Jin Kazama, how he got the devil powers and whatnot. So it's going to be CGI anime style. Looks interesting. The fighting game, DNF Duel, is coming out. There has a release date for this game on the 28th of June, 2022. It's a fighting game based on the popular MMORPG Dungeon Fighter Online or Dungeon and Fighter back in Korea. And last but not least, Malaysia's Asian Games 2022 esports representatives will be confirmed this coming May. This is according to the Olympic Council of Malaysia, who will hold a national selection event in that particular month, May, as part of the Road to Asia Games Huangzhou 2022 program. The actual Huangzhou Asia Games tournament will take place from 10 to 25th September in China. And to recap, the games for this esports medal event are Arena of Valor, Dota 2, PUBG Mobile, Dream 3 Kingdoms 2, one of the FIFA titles, Hearthstone, League of Legends, and Street Fighter V. And that's it. <laughs> that was Jonathan Leo from Kakuchopere.com looking back at some of the biggest gaming news from the month of March. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, some of the games that were released this month, including Ghostwire Tokyo and Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Stay tuned. This is GG Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharuddin. Content Director from Kakuchopuri.com, Jonathan Leo, joins me in our monthly roundup of news and games that were released in March. In this part, we're going to focus on new releases from this month. Okay, okay. So the first up is a game I mentioned called Dawn of the Monsters. It's a... Imagine robots. Imagine Evangelion. Imagine Godzilla... Gamera and Ultraman teaming up to fight other rogue Ultraman and Kaijus. That's Dawn of the Monsters from WayForward and 13AM Studios. It's a beat-em-up where you can team up with other fighters and fight against different Kaijus. It's got a great art style. It's got great controls and action. It's about... I think it should be worth 5 hours or so just to play through the entire game. But it's really fun co-op gameplay. This is different from Giga Bash. Giga Bash is more like a like a brawler, like a brawler, last man standing kind of game. Dawn of the Monsters is more co-op, so it's like you against the AI. And they've got a lot, a lot of epic fights, a pretty cool story, and some great cutscenes and art style from many kaiju artists here and there who did comics and web series and animations and whatnot. So it's really great stuff. Another game is Anno Mutationem. It's a China-made 2D pixel action game set in the cyberpunk world. I can tell this aesthetics are really good. It's like... 2D animation onto like a high-res PlayStation 1, PlayStation, PlayStation 2 style backdrop, which is 3D. But the way this it scales and goes back and forth, it pans, is so beautiful. Like, imagine if Cyberpunk 2077 was had pixel art with a 
3D style graphics in the background. That's how it is. The game story is about a, a regular girl named Anna who can fight, who is looking for a missing brother in the cyberpunk world, filled with mutants, robots, and gangsters here and there. It's a pretty cool story. It's got really awesome aesthetics and the action, the controls is great. So if you really love action 2D platformers, you should play this one when you can. It's getting really good reviews in Steam. Is this something you'll be interested in, Hanif? Mm, sounds interesting. I mean, I like the cyberpunk theme, so I think I would like to, I guess, give games like this a bit of try as well. Like, I mean, the variations of like the, all, it's always interesting to explore the, the 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 world, right? So it's always good to, I guess, give give these kind of games a try. So yeah, definitely something that I will be looking forward to. Or giving it a try, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would suggest you get these two indie games a try. So now we're moving on to something a bit more mainstream-ish. So Persona 4 Arena Ultimax just recently released for PlayStation 4, I believe Nintendo Switch, PC, and Xbox. So it's a fighting game based on the Persona 4 and Persona 3 universe and stories. So they took characters from a JRPG and put them in the fighting ring to fight each other one-on-one. So these characters get to use their specialized personas as additional attacks. So when you do a throw or punch, you actually summon your persona to do another attack. So it sounds like two attacks that happen like consecutively. So there's a lot of strategy in that. And you need energy to actually cast your spells or summon your personas. So if you're out of mana and halfway in a fight, you cannot use your personas. So there's a lot of strategy here and there. So the game itself is great. It's actually like an improvement over Persona 4 Arena. The Ultimax version adds new characters, new balance options, and new styles of play. So the controls and the mechanics are great. The art style still holds up right now. And the soundtrack and the single-player story visual novel mode is great. Unfortunately, the network play is pretty bad. Like when I went online to play the game, it felt like you were fighting underwater. <laughs> so I hope they fix that ASAP because this game needs a bit of love. If you play offline, it's fine. But when you play online, I think half my matches are all very, very slow and in slow motion underwater. So it's terrible. So I hope they can fix that in time. Ghostwire Tokyo is also a new title that came out from Bethesda. And Tango Gameworks, the same people who made Evil Within, is from Shinji Mikami. People remember this title because it was presented in E3 2019 by then-director Ikumi Nakamura, who was actually, a, I guess he was the darling presenter back in E3 2019. But three months after that announcement, she left the company because um, it wasn't doing well for her health. So they had new producers and directors working on the game. So the game is finally out. Um, so far, it's getting mixed reviews. People actually love the art style of the game and how it controls and how the main character actually does the ninjutsu-style Naruto hand signs to do the spell casting. But a lot of people did not like how the game starts where it gets a bit boring in the first five hours or so, but it got interesting later on. It looks stylish, but it's basically Far Cry magic. Like, it's very rote and predictable. For Even my reviewer said it's a bit too predictable and a bit boring because he gets to use the same tactics from beginning to end. And apart from the visuals, there's not much that actually makes it stand out from the other releases this year, especially if you want cheaper fares, right? Mm, yeah, I think because this this game is quite... I think it was it received a bit of hype, I think, last last, last year, if I'm mistaken. A couple of years because of the presenter back then, <laughs> yeah. And there's also a new Final Fantasy game that came out, but it's actually made by a different developer, Team Ninja, who made Neo. So it's called Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. It's an action RPG in the style of Dark Souls, 
but a bit more forgiving because the controls, you get to dodge without stamina. If you die, you only lose your mana, which you can actually get back by, you know, doing well in combat. And you've got like two AI party members joining you like in the Final Fantasy game. So it's actually like a different take on the very first Final Fantasy stories where you play a guy named Jack and you have to fight chaos, of course, as the trailers have mentioned time and again. So that's what you're doing. You are going through different stages, new style, to fight against like agents of chaos and monsters here and there. The game is actually really cool action-wise because of the job system. So you get to level up your jobs, you get to open up different new jobs that gives you different new skills and attacks and combos that you can switch between back and forth. So let's say you are on a samurai job, you get to do one combo, you can actually press the Y button on the Xbox to switch to a different job and continue a different combo route or cast a spell either way. It doesn't matter because you have many options to make your own playstyle. The only issue about the game is, um, yeah, the level design is very boring and very confusing because of the way of the layout is. Because some of the levels, even though they they are they set they, they are set in interesting places, the level design, the corridors are not that interesting. You can actually get lost because of the dull corridors and design. And the story is unintentionally hilarious at points because you've got a hero who is very one dimensional in terms of his quest, along with other one-dimensional hero uh, sidekicks who join him. So it's um, it's unintentionally hilarious. So if you want a basic story ways where the main character is angry and just tells people to keep quiet when they're when the enemies are doing the monologues, yeah, go for it. It's, it's humorous in that sense. So if you like that sort of game, go ahead. And the graphics aren't that hot compared to like other Final Fantasy Square Enix productions. I felt that they took a step back here in graphics and presentation in, fa- in favor for the combat and the gameplay. So if you like that, if you want to play something that's a little less hardcore than Elden Ring, you can play Stranger of Paradise. Because Stranger of Paradise has like three different difficulties. You've got easy, normal, and hard. So you can play either normal or hard if you want like a nice breezy action RPG time in the veins of Dark Souls and Neo and Neo 2. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think that this is perhaps something that um, Square Enix will be exploring a lot more, I guess? Like creating uh, like, you know, like action RPG games in uh, the veins of like, Dark Souls and Elden Ring and whatnot? I hope that's a sequel to this because this feels like a nice stepping stone for Team Ninja to make an action game in the Final Fantasy origin vein. I hope they can make like a sequel to this, but obviously with a better kind of story, more three-dimensional characters and better levels. Because I felt that all the levels here are just very confusing and some of them are very basic. Confusing and basic. I know it's a bit of a oxymoron, but uh, when you play through the game a lot, you'll be like, yeah, I got lost here because there's no map or at least the map is very unclear and all the corridors look too much too similar. That it's easy to get lost. So I hope they fix that and they're fine. I'd rather they keep the job system, maybe expand on it a little bit because that's the key ingredient in Stranger of Paradise. That part of the game is really, really good. So they just need to make another better game using that mechanic and that action RPG style. But but obviously this will still be, I guess, playing second fiddle to the main Final Fantasy series, I assume? I'm guessing, yes. This is more like a spin-off title. And I don't think it's looking so hot because according to Square Enix, the game sold poorly compared to the other Final Fantasy games. But we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes worldwide. And the last game I want to talk about is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which came out today at this point in writing. 
I actually had the pleasure of actually reviewing the game like a week prior before the game came out. And I had fun in the game uh, because I'm a big fan of Diablo, uh, action RPG titles like Diablo and the first few Borderlands. So Tiny Tales Wonderlands is basically Borderlands 4, but with a fantasy setting, colorful graphics, nice level design, and a pretty cute story. It's not really super profound, but it's still pretty fun. And I like some of the side quests. And they actually tweaked the game a little bit. So the hook here is that instead of playing th- between four predetermined vault hunters, you get to choose, you get to create your own character, like how he look, he or she looks. You get to choose any of the six classes available. And then you get to pick a second class to complement that class later when you're at a higher level. So the gameplay loop is the same. You go into a level, explore it, kill bosses, kill enemies, get loot, get better loot, replace it. You level up your characters, you add skill points. And yeah, you get to multi-class here and there and pick your favorite skills and choose your spells. And the new hook about this game is you get to you get guns, you get six different slots to equip. You got like amulets, necklaces, armor, shields, and of course a melee weapon and a spell. The melee weapon does help a bit, but the spells are what makes this game a little bit different. So basically spells are like extra additional action skills that you can use to complement your primary action skill for the class you pick. So you get to like basically use, like say, the Stabomancer's a spinning blade, ghost blade, and you get to cast a spell on the side, like a fireball or an earthquake spell or a giant meteor spell that falls from the sky or a poison ward or summon a hydra. You've got different kind of spells you get to mix and match. So there's a lot of customizability when it comes to Tiny Tina's Wonderlands and your characters. Plus, the voice the voice cameos and whatnot are pretty cool. You've got Andy Sandberg from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You've got Wanda Sykes, a pretty popular comedian. And you've got Will Arnett from Bojack Horseman and a couple of other shows. Will Arnett voices the main bad guy with his usual deadpan, snarky, antagonistic kind of voice thing going on. So you've got star power there. And Ashley Birch, of course, she voices the main character, Tiny Tina, the Dungeon Master. So you get to hear her voice, you know, playing off with other of the actors and the different characters here and there. So if you like more Borderlands, you like a more improved Borderlands, you should play this game, definitely. And also they fixed the end game for the series where they added in the Chaos Chambers where after you finish the main quest, you get to go through a series of random levels that have different modifiers inside it. I think you have to play through like maybe five levels or seven levels or 10 levels. And each of them has a boss. And then if you win against the boss, you get big rewards and you get to use your crystals you collected in the chaos chambers to unlock more rewards and better loot, of course. Mm, Okay. Is this game, I guess, accessible for someone who has never played any Borderlands game? Yes, because you. this is actually kind of like, it's still the same Borderlands universe, but you are basically playing a shooter game that's like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign from a dungeon master, except in this Dungeons and Dragons game, there are guns and different things that change halfway through. So there's a pretty bunch of cool quests where basically you are focused on one character and then this is when you thought your path is blocked. The dungeon master tells you, oh, that's a bridge there. And then the bridge appears in front of you. So you've got like many comedic moments like this and it really works well within the context of like a D&D game. As someone who has been through a lot of terrible... Dungeons and Dragons campaigns, both as a dungeon master and as a player, I can relate a lot to Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, the storytelling and whatnot. So it's pretty hilarious, especially if you have played a tabletop RPG once or twice. And, you know, you got some horrible stories to share. 
this game actually makes fun of these kind of situations in a very nice light. All right, so here's a bunch of games that will be coming out on April. Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers Edition, which is a remaster of the first Chrono Cross, as well as the Super Nintendo Radical Dreamers visual novel style game, I think. And then there's the Nintendo Switch port of 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. If you haven't bought 13 Sentinels on the PS4, you should do that. Now you can buy it on Nintendo Switch. And you have Zombie Army 4 Dead War for Nintendo Switch. And Nintendo Switch Sports, which is coming out at the end of April, which is basically Nintendo Sports, uh, Wii Sports, but for the Nintendo Switch with the controls and more gameplay and whatnot. I'm not sure how to go beyond that, but yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and also Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. That should be pretty fun if you like Lego Star Wars. You tuned in to GG Well Played, and that was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopori.com, summarizing some of the biggest news and releases from the month of March. If you'd like to check out more news and games, you can head over to their website, kakuchopori.com. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play, and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.